This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Welcome to World Cafe. I'm Kaleo. I admire MGMT more and more with every release they put out. A band whose debut album, Oracular Spectacular, spawned massive hits including the anthemic Kids. Since that point in the mid-aughts, instead of returning to the well to churn out more of the same, they instead went and became one of the most adventurous and uncompromising outfits in music. The only thing you'll know for sure is that they'll surprise you. And there are plenty of beautiful surprises on their latest album, Loss of Life. In many ways, it's a meditation about getting older. I caught up with Andrew Van Wingarden and Ben Goldwasser to talk about making Loss of Life the unexpected influence of 80s metal band Queensryche, and how acid is no longer the solution to life's great mysteries. What is? Find out later in this interview. First up, a song from Loss of Life. It's Mother Nature from MGMT. I wrote the fairy tale on a midnight drive Wanting to know if I'm more than alive I torch the fields again And kill an honest man Now I understand Mother Nature Watch me running headfirst Into the forms That's Mother Nature from MGMT. It's from their new album, Loss of Life. Andrew Van Wingarden and Ben Goldwasser are my guests today from MGMT here on World Cafe. My name is Kaleo. Ben, Andrew, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. It's been about six years since your, the release of your last album, Little Dark Age. Uh, it seems like you found a cadence where there's not necessarily a rush to get back into the studio after finishing the touring cycle. Um, Andrew, when did you start to work or think about working on Loss of Life? Well, so the, the end of... Um the Little Dark Age album promo cycle was sort of abruptly ended by the COVID uh, lockdown in spring 2020. Um, and Ben and I kind of, I think both ended up having a forced reset in lots of ways and reconnecting with normal life, um, having done storing cycles for four albums before that. Um, and, you know, there were lots of awful things going on, but we both felt pretty good about, about um, not traveling the world and, and kind of regenerating our minds and bodies. I mean, in some ways, I don't think that we, we don't really have a, a, a pattern or a process for like getting in a creative mindset. Like it's never really, like it's always been something that's hard for us. And I think especially it's been hard for us feeling like we get off a tour and we're kind of emotionally and physically drained from that. And then we feel like, we should feel this, this wellspring of creative energy after that and just get right back into it. But it's always been hard to do that. So I think that in some ways, just coming from this place of like, we're not musicians right now, like we're just people living our lives. I think that that really helped the process in a lot of ways. Ben, you said in a Rolling Stone interview that success for MGMT is having a group of passionate fans who will go with you on whatever risks you take with an album from album to album, 
how do you figure out where you want to go or, or what risks or what ideas you want to explore when you are kind of getting back into making music? I mean, first of all, I feel like the the impulse kind of comes from, just comes from us. Like we have this compulsion to just to push ourselves and and to do something we've never done before. And I think that's just kind of written into our DNA and how we operate. So, I, I mean, I don't even think we could do it any other way. It's not like we make a conscious decision to change gears and do something totally different or challenge people or something like that. It's just like, that's what we do. And I think we've been incredibly lucky to have people who follow along for the ride. But um, I mean, I think also just like, we want to feel like we've connected with people. And, you know, I mean, we want to make music that makes us feel happy and fulfilled and like we did something meaningful and to be met with a response from people that like we actually accomplished that is is really gratifying, even if we're not looking for like widespread critical acclaim or something like that. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Andrew and Ben from MGMT. This is World Cafe. The new album is Loss of Life. The first track on the album, when I listened to it, I was like, what is this? It, you know, it really sort of throws you into the deep end of the album right away with a, I think it is, a, it's a traditional poem. It's several hundred years old, but it is read by John Stuart Parker. I'm Taliesin, I sing perfect meter. Taliesin, I sing perfect meter, which will last to the end of the world. I know why there is an echo in a hollow. Why silver gleams, why breath is black, why liver is bloody, why a cow has horns, why a woman is affectionate, why milk is white, why holly is green, why a kid is bearded, why the cow parsnip is hollow. What was the inspiration? Why did you want to open the album with, with this poem? First and foremost, I think we have a history... You know, some some of the earliest recordings we made while we were at Wesleyan, like there's an early one where we sampled um, the moon landing. And there's a tendency where we, if we have a really fun instrumental, like Ben and I both feel like something belongs over it, like spoken word or dialogue or something. And so we had this bed of the kind of melodic theme of the album, just kind of really serendipitously, we, we got in touch with our old front of house sound man, Michael Parker, who goes by Parker. And his father is the one speaking. He's an he's a English professor and he happens to make recordings of himself reading poems. And he, he sent one and we listened and it was like, this concept works, but this isn't the right um, poem. And then the next one was, I am Taliesin. Everything from the, the timing of it, it lined up perfectly. And also just the theme of it, kind of speaking about shape-shifting and taking the form of different animals Sort of, sort of kind of like an invocation and a setting the, the kind of thematic tone of the album, we felt like it was really spot on. So it just kind of lined up like that way. And it happened to be the last track we completed while making the album, the introduction. <laughs> wow. So is this something that your front of house guy says to you, you should know my dad reads poetry? Like, how do you get pitched on that? Or how do you find that out over the course of working with someone? I think we did know that we, we were aware that his his dad was a English professor. And, um, I, but I had no idea it was going to be that satisfying with, with the kind of a deep accent and the rolling the R's and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. The satisfaction is right. Like it definitely feels like every like puzzle piece uh, fit into place. Um, 
can we take like a sort of a step back and say like how does that tie into the larger theme of the record? We've come to think of the the theme of the record as in a big way like um it's about you know cycles of kind of death and rebirth in a way or or like just the the fact that like every ending is a beginning. We named the first track on the album it's part two part and the two, end is yeah. part one. So I think there's this idea of like you know, not really distinguishing between beginning and end. And I and I think there's something about the, in the poem where it's talking about, you know, having lived all these different lives or been all these different things, it, it ties into that for us. Yeah. We're talking with Ben and Andrew of MGMT. The new album is called Loss of Life. Um, Christine and the Queens guest on the song Dancing in Babylon. Um, this was another one that kind of caught me off guard. Uh, <laughs> it's not what I expected. It's also outstanding. Andrew, how did how did that come together, uh, getting in Christine or working with Christine on the song and sort of the lyrical ideas behind it? Um, yeah, so that song um, had a f- sort of a funny life where it began as this um, voice memo melody kind of like a happy-go-lucky sounding song about a couple that lived at the beach named Catherine and Bobby. That it's a real couple that I had met and didn't know too well. And for a while I was like, okay, should we be really writing a a song about this couple that I'm going to interact with and (laughs) see and don't really know very well? It's kind of weird and creepy. But um, thankfully, sort of like the song kept shifting and and evolving and um, went from this sort of magnetic fieldsy sounding thing to more where it is on the album, which was sort of like a half time eighties ballad thing. I mean, I mean, for the most part, but, uh, so we, we had been um, in touch with Christine and the Queens years ago about collaborating and the timing never worked. And, um, when we had this song that felt like a duet and felt like it was sort of firmly in the, the eighties pop realm immediately, his voice is someone is, is something we thought of and, and wanted to kind of, try it out and and kind of sort of similarly with the the poem it just it was just something that happened quickly and easily it was great it was very satisfying as a collaboration (laughs) it it, it makes complete sense it's not you know sometimes you don't even think about what bands might go well together but this is a really great match it's mgmt with christina mcqueen's here on world cafe i want to clear the air by monday if all the tanks are gone it's MGMT here on World Cafe, Dancing in Babylon, featuring Christine and the Queens from their new album, which is called Loss of Life, talking with Andrew and Ben from the group. Um, I know some bands are, you know, keen on like this record, we're going to avoid doing this. We're going to make a conscious effort to focus uh, away from this instrumentation. You sort of talk about song structure being an important part of this record. Is that something that you traditionally do or, or is that something that just sort of like, I guess we've made a record that doesn't have this or intentionally does that? I think like by our own nature, I mean, we set a lot of intentions and then we basically end up doing the opposite thing. (laughs) So I guess if we're like, if, you know, we're really clever, we would set an intention to do the opposite thing from what we actually wanted to do. And then it would happen. (laughs) (laughs) Double cross. Do you, do you agree with that, Andrew? 
I think sometimes, but but I also think Ben and I, part of our creative connection is that we we have this ability to share almost like unspoken and subconscious intentions that we both want to accomplish. And then we play around with the process in a way where, you know, we're never really sure what's, what's intentional and what's um, happening in an alchemical way. You know, Ben and I have known each other since we were uh, 18 years old. And now we're both 41 years old. <laughs> um, and we've been making music for the same amount of time. I think what has allowed it to, to continue to be fun and let us push boundaries is, is that we have this sort of like bond that is um, something that neither of us can really explain or describe. And we try to remember that when we're working on music. We have that kind of relationship with Dave Fridman to who we've worked with since our first record. And, and I mean, Patrick too, to some extent, like we've done two albums together at this point. And, but I think there's something, especially about working with Dave, where we know we can go in with a, an album of like mostly finished material that we're ready to mix. And we know that he's going to get it. Like we know he's going to understand where we're coming from and we don't have to do a whole lot of explaining. He's been there along with you for you know, all five albums, are there things you can count on him to say that you might not necessarily, because of how, how you two work together, he's like that important sounding board? He has a, yeah, I think he has a deeper understanding of the band and also our relationship, our personal relationship than probably anybody else. And he's like the fifth Beatle of MGMT. <laughs> we've, we've done everything we've ever done with him. Uh, I mean, it, it always goes through Dave's hands at some point. Um, it, it is pretty amazing. I, I, the thing with Dave that I think is, is um, kind of extraordinary is that he knows how to, how to encourage us and motivate us, but without kind of pinning us to one thing, he helps dissolve our um, kind of self doubt or second guessing and let things develop. And that, you know, that's taken years and years for us to, to improve that and get better about that. And finally now just, it's just really feeling kind of like we have a flow pretty immediately when we go into Tarbox studios. Yeah. You're listening to world cafe, uh, Ben and Andrew from MGMT are my guests. My name is Kaleo. Um, in the album release announcement, uh, you or whoever wrote, uh, the album release announcement made a, a crack about being only 20% more adult contemporary, uh, and no more, please, I believe was the line. Um, but I, then in listening to the album there, are, sure, there are a few 20% adult contemporary moments, but then there's nothing changes, um, which feels like it may be only 20% away from being full adult contemporary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we really, we allowed ourselves to to go there. Yeah, I Ben, I wanted to know, I'd love to know a little bit about, you know, where this song came from sonically, because, you know, for the first 20 seconds, I was like, oh, what dreamy 80s vocalist could be singing over this, you know, before, you know, Andrew, you kick in and, and kill it. <laughs> well, wait, so I forget, what was your main reference for the... Uh, for the vocalist, was it? You're um, asking me. I yeah, mean, um, um, I know. I know this is. It's not. It's. It's a. It's an example of something that makes Ben and I laugh, and that makes a lot of sense to us. But other people won't really hear it. But anyway, it's Queensrÿche. Right. 
Oh, totally. no, 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 no. I can totally get like Queensryche doing a ballad, like yes, really yeah. just leaning into it. It's 1983 or something like that. Where does that, where does that inspiration come from? Where do you go? Like, I want to make a song that sounds like 1980s Queensryche. Uh, it's, That's I mean, honestly, question. I could say it's probably because I want, I enjoy singing like that. I enjoy singing in that register in the, and in sort of in that character almost. And uh-huh. we've never really done that. So I was like, this is the moment to do it. Let's take a listen to Nothing Changes. It's MGMT here on World Cafe. I should change. I shouldn't be here. But nothing's gonna change, believe me. That's a bit of Nothing Changes. It's MGMT. Uh, the new album is called Loss of Life. Uh, we are here with Andrew Wingarden and Ben Goldwasser of the band. My name is Kaleo. Um, so this is uh, the, the first album after finishing up your deal with Columbia. And I don't want to spend too much time in business stuff because that's not as interesting as the music stuff. But uh, from a creative standpoint, does not having a record label like that, like a big major, affect how you work? or what you choose to work on? We had a generally a good relationship with Columbia when we were working with them. And there was never a moment where it's like they put their foot down and were like, you can't release this or it's not commercial <laughs> enough. Like they were pretty, pretty supportive of us making whatever music we wanted to make. But then like, it still had to go through the machine in some way. And, um, and I think there was a, a feeling of kind of liberation, just working on a record just not being on a label at all and being entirely on our own schedule and not having to go be like, okay, we need more money for this or something like that. <laughs> um, and that definitely found its way into the music. I, I can't, I apologize. I'm not sure which one of you said this, but I didn't re- like, I, I knew that there is a different thing for working from the label thing, but some of the mundanity of expectations and obligations like surprised me. Like, for an album to be an album, there needs to be a certain number of songs and they need to be a certain length. I, that just seems like a ridiculous set of constraints to to work under. It's weird to me, too, that there's a lot of like there are a lot of current albums that are now like, you know, it's that 75 minutes long epic, you know, has to be the statement that's like you know, probably don't even remember half the songs on it, but it's 75 minutes long. And, you know, I think for us, like we're really into just making a concise statement. And I mean, I don't know, like a lot of like classic albums in the 60s or whatever were like maybe half an hour long. If you really in like the songs were like two minutes or something, you know, it's just uh, a lot's changed, I guess. We're of the same, we're around the same ballpark age. I'm 44. And I think for me, where that disconnect changed, listening to my parents' LPs, and then the CD came. And the CD was 74 minutes of, you could get 74 minutes of audio on that album, and God knows some bands tried. Does technology, like the medium, does that influence or inform, like, gosh, I want, I just want nine songs. That's an album, and, and I'm totally cool with that. I don't need to be worrying about filling up an infinite playlist or something like that. There's, there's a few different factors. I mean, one is that we're not generally speaking, like a prolific band that has 
a folder of a hundred songs. We we kind of mix and produce and arrange as we go. I think we've also been conditioned by by being on a major label and coming from a more maybe old school, slightly outmoded thinking about what an album is. You know, it's like a vinyl release, and and if it's over forty something minutes, it's going to start sounding worse um the actual quality of the sound oh that's uh, right yeah back in the day the more music you put on the, the the less there was audio to grab and as a result like yeah the quality degrades i forget it was like Todd it's, Rundgren. it still happens um you know that's that's why we even with our new album we were kind of like it's, we wanted on a single record but you know we might lose a little bit on yeah. on the um the last tracks on the side if you have a track with like the track that you want to hit the hardest you'd put at the beginning of a side because like the bass is stronger which you know is like not something most people would think about but it's like if you know it it informs the the track sequence of a record this is world cafe we're talking with andrew and ben of mgmt the new record is loss of life one more song from the record that i, I definitely want to talk about and play because this one Gave me feelings, and I didn't know how I felt about it. And that's that's always a good sign when I'm listening to a record where it doesn't immediately put me in a, a sp- space where I'm like, this is how I'm supposed to respond. Um, and appropriately titled, I Wish I Was Joking. A- Andrew, what is going on with the protagonist of this song? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I am the protagonist in this you song. Are. I, think, I think it's a pretty personal kind of first person song lyrically. Um, I think what's happening is that for this new record, we we both felt an, an urge to be direct and be sincere and challenge ourselves musically and lyrically to work with themes that are, you know, it's hard to not sound cheesy when you're when you're talking about like the power of love in in, in a song, um, but that's a major theme on our album, and so I think that the lyrics are sort of dealing with being MGMT, being a band that has historically been recognized as being like psychedelic pop and and taking inspiration from acid trips and all of this stuff, and now being forty years old and saying, you know, actually, you know, drugs are kind of bad. And, and the, the answer the answer to life is actually love and love. stability and relationships. Um, I wish I was joking, but that's it. And uh, so that's kind of the, the, uh, the gist. Beautiful. Let's take a listen. Uh, it's MGMT, I Wish I Was Joking, here on World Cafe. Half of love is still love. You'd beg the dawn to ease you in Past the time a thousand ways In the dark you'll find love Half the time I feel sad love will do but it's a job don't know if that's the dream on world cafe that is i wish i was joking it's mgmt it's from their new album loss of life uh andrew ben 
Thank you both for being here. Congrats on the new album. It really is fantastic and always excited to see and hear what you do next. So please come back again soon. Thank, thank you so much. We're excited for people to hear this record. Awesome. I bet. I bet. It's MGMT. We're back in a minute with more World Cafe. Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. 